So Russ and Seth did a marvelous job on Friday. Russ spoke on Friday. Seth spoke on Saturday talking about the history of the church. Uh, Russ was the first pastor here at North Hills, and he has served the church in various roles ever since 50 years ago. Um, Seth served as the pastor at the church for 20 years, the, the longest tenured pastor at the church by a very healthy margin. And I want to thank you two gentlemen for your service towards God, Christ, and their church. I find oftentimes in life, uh, many people underestimate uh, the influence and the impact that they have on others. And I know for a fact that both of you, Seth and Russ, you've had a tremendous impact in leading uh, North Hills to God and his coming kingdom. So church, can we give them a round of applause? Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate both of you from the bottom of my heart. So they talked about on Friday and Saturday about the history of the church from the time that the church started up until the point that Seth and his family departed the church so that Seth could become uh, the Church of God director and the president of the Atlanta Bible College. And uh, today, uh, yeah, the Atlanta Bible College. You, you Buckeye fans here, you got to be, it's the Ohio State University. Well, it's the Atlanta Bible College. And so today we're going to continue our discussion and kind of pick up where we left off last night uh, with Seth and going over his history from the time uh, that he was here at the church. And so we're going to do three things uh, this morning. Number one, we're going to briefly summarize uh, the last six years of the church, the point in which Seth, Seth and his family departed to go to uh, Georgia. We're going to see number two, what's in store for us right now as a church. And then number three, uh, we're going to answer the question of what is the end game? What's the purpose of all this? What, what's the end game of the church? And so we're going we're to take a look at all three of those things this morning. So number one, the history of these past six years. In 2016, Seth, Stacy, and, the, and their boys uh, left big shoes to fill as they left for Atlanta. And so for two full years, the church was without a full-time pastor. And within those two years, a handful of people here stepped up in very, very, very big ways. You guys know who you are, and I appreciate you guys from the bottom of my heart as well as you maintain the church uh, without the leadership of a full-time pastor. Just one of many people who stepped up was John Tolis uh, in the back corner there, who served as the interim pastor for two years while he still worked as a school teacher. So thank you, John, as well in your service to the church and, and filling that uh, role. Consistently throughout the history of the church, we have seen people step up in big ways. And in, the, in that two-year gap after Seth departed, uh, we saw a lot of people step up in very, very big ways. And we would not be here today if it weren't for the handful of you guys who stepped up in big ways in those two years. So you guys can pat yourselves on the back there. At the end of those two years, Jamie and I uh, arrived to Ohio as I became the full-time pastor in January of 2019. We are already in our fourth year here. A part of me feels like, man, that time has flown. And a part of me thinks, man, I've had no life before uh, in North Hills. I take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, but when I think about our four years here, one of the biggest events that I think we have endured as a church, any guesses on, on the biggest event that comes to my mind? 
COVID, yeah. That, that is the first thing that comes to my mind. Seth, how come you guys never had a course at the Bible College in how to handle a global pandemic? I really, really could have used that course at the Bible College. Maybe something for you to consider uh, in the future. But we together as a church, we persevered and we pushed through a global pandemic. We, we pushed through it together. And together, we have seen families nationwide, we've seen families in our own church heartbroken from this pandemic. But we rallied together as a church. We continued to push through. We saw a pandemic in which caused national church attendance to drop significantly. However, in the midst of this pandemic, we did not want to neglect the meeting up together, as is talked about in the book of Hebrews. So for a while, uh, we posted a message online. Uh, I just filmed a video in uh, my bedroom or in the office, whatever. We were in our apartment, so I didn't really have much space. And then on Sunday mornings, uh, we did we met together via Zoom every Sunday. Does anybody remember that, uh, the, the month or two that, that we met virtually together? Let me tell you guys, I don't miss that. I I do not uh, miss that one bit. It's great that we had technology to do that, but you can't replicate this. You you cannot replicate the in-person communication. In-person communication is a beautiful, beautiful gift from God, and I don't think any technology will ever be able to replace that. So I'm very grateful that we were able to meet virtually as a church and and when the pandemic just started and there were lots of questions about what uh, this virus was and and the ill effects of it. And so we were being cautious and met online. And I'm very grateful we had that opportunity, Uh, but I don't miss that. I don't know if you guys miss that, but I don't miss that uh, one little bit. I sincerely appreciate and value the time that we have each Sunday morning and throughout the week that we can to communicate, we get to have fellowship in person. And then after that, after that short while, while we met online, uh, we had services outside for a while. And, and what an adventure that was. It was a unique opportunity. COVID uh, brought us many unique opportunities that allowed the church to grow in, in, in these hardships and in these trials and tribulations. And so after that, after we met outside uh, for a short while, we resumed our typical uh, worship services after COVID. We resumed uh, without a handful of our church members. Again, I, I'm, I'm absolutely devastated. I, you guys should Google this sometime. Look at the statistics. There, there are so many statistics comparing uh, church attendance before and after the pandemic, and it, and it absolutely breaks my heart. But this is nothing new. As uh, we were getting ready for this weekend, uh, Alois and I uh, spent some time putting together the picture boards out there. You should uh, take a look at that after the service uh, this morning. And as we were going through the pictures, it's kind of sad for me because uh, we, as we were going through a, a lot of these old pictures of the church, most of the people I did not even recognize as they are no longer associated with the church. And that's for a number of different reasons. Some, uh, a lot of people I didn't recognize, they, they were faithful members, they were faithful to God, but, and they fought the good fight and they've fallen asleep in death. So, so there's various reasons as to why uh, members are no longer associated uh, with the church. And both Russ and Seth touched on this topic uh, briefly. And, and I pray that they were positively impacted by their time here at North Hills. Russ talked about uh, us as a church adding a spiritual 
dimension to their lives. And so I pray that everybody who has walked through these doors has been touched by the church, has been touched by God himself, and that they have added that spiritual dimension in their life. Uh, As many of us are aware, without that spiritual dimension, life is meaningless. Life has no purpose without that spiritual aspect in our lives. But on the positive side of things, we've also welcomed in in the the past few years, we've welcomed in a handful of people into our church family. Uh, The first guest that came to our church and that has stuck with it since I've gotten here is Brenda. Brenda's sitting here in the front row. I always love it. Uh, She's sitting in the splash zone here. Um, And Brenda, she's been faithful. I still remember uh, the time that you and Angie walked in these doors, Brenda, and you came to visit church for the first time. We went out to eat afterwards, and we got to know each other better. Now Brenda serves as a faithful uh, member here at the church. She's uh, in charge of organizing the decorations around the church. I think of Chuck. Chuck, he's had uh, loose connections with the church before I arrived. Uh, he's a neighbor of Mary, and Mary had a big influence in, in bringing uh, Chuck here to the church, and uh, he helped convert the food pantry into what it is now. But within the past few years, Chuck's become a faithful church member and now serves as a trustee. I think of the Powell family. I wish they could be here, uh, but they've been dealing with sicknesses on their way during and after uh, their two-week trip to Florida. Uh, Bless their hearts. But they're a young family of six who was excommunicated from their old church because of their beliefs. Their belief in the very, very simple understanding that God is one. We don't need to add any extra clauses or conditional statements, but but God is one. That, That very simple statement. And I'm heartbroken that this family has gone through this tragedy and that they were excommunicated from their church family. But in that tragedy, God works wonders. When when we hit rock bottom, God works wonders in our lives. And so one day, Jacob Powell, uh, he uh, was uh, surfing the internet. He was looking for churches in the area that he could attend. And we could say he randomly uh, found our church online. He he looked at our website, and in our about uh, section, we have our beliefs posted. And and he read our beliefs as a church, and he said, hey, those are beliefs that I can get behind. Those are beliefs that, that I can teach here at the church. And so ever since, they uh, started coming faithfully. And, and people could say, you know, he randomly uh, found our church's website online. Uh, but my, my perspective, my opinion, I think there was a higher power at play. And you can probably guess the higher power at play. That's God. I think of the Gallagher family. The Gallagher family has stepped in seamlessly here at North Hills. They've helped uh, with the worship. The Gallaghers actually, interestingly, some of you guys may not know this, uh, they went to uh, my home church uh, for a couple of years when, when I was about yay tall, would you say? Yeah, I don't even remember that. But uh, the Gallaghers, they were good friends with my parents uh, up in Michigan when uh, they were up in Michigan. And I remember uh, we were family friends for a while, and they would come to visit us on occasion. I remember uh, Precious Annie uh, when she was a little girl, and man, she was stinking precious. Uh, Still is precious, Annie. And so I, I, I found memories with the Gallagher family. I think of Crow, a fine young man who has experienced more than his fair share of tribulations, but has found comfort in this church community. I think of Bob and Kathy, a fine uh, 
couple there, Bob and Kathy. Bob, uh, a couple years ago, he moved onto uh, Bozart Road, and uh, he found a church nearby. And I think God leading Bob and Kathy here to North Hills. And uh, ever since, they've been faithful members here. Uh, and they've gone through some hardships recently. And Bob, in his heart, he, if we remember, he had open heart surgery uh, just a couple of months ago. I'm glad you found a church family to comfort you in that, Kathy, and your mom and the struggles that she is going through. I'm, I'm glad and happy that you have a church family to surround you in love and care as well. I also think of Colin. I don't know if many of you guys uh, remember Colin, uh, but he's a high school kid uh, who studied his way into our faith, a biblical Unitarian faith, and his job conflicts with him uh, coming on most Sundays, uh, but him, Jacob Powell, and I, uh, we have a Bible study together, and so I view that as him being a, a member, a part of the church as we gather together. Uh, he, he lives over in Columbus about an hour away, and we, so we try to meet somewhere in the middle, and I just find that so, so cool that a high school kid independently studied his Bible, God's word, and, and he's coming to the, these understandings that, that God is one, uh, and just some of the, the very simple beliefs that are found in the scriptures. And so we, we welcomed in a handful of members here at church, and I love that. And on top of uh, the handful of members uh, at the church, we've also welcomed a handful of people into the family of God through the waters of baptism. We welcome Evelyn and Ellie and Anthony and Brenda and Donna and Leah. And today, we'll be welcoming two more and Colton and Chloe into the family of God through the waters of baptism. I love that. That brings me so much joy. There, there are no better days than, than days of baptism. Those days bring me more excitement than any other day at church. And so we are super excited to welcome in our two newest members of the family of God this evening in Colton and Chloe. I've also seen a handful uh, of people here mature in their faith in these past four years as well. And I love to see that. We, we, we strive to grow closer to God on a daily basis. And I've truly seen that in a handful of you guys as you mature in your walk and your faith with God. Some of us, we got work to do, and that's all right. We, we still got time, but we got to pursue that relentlessly. We got to pursue that relationship with God. That's got to be our number one priority. So those are the things uh, that go through my mind when I think about uh, the past six years of the church. And so throughout Friday, Saturday, and here, that, that's the basic summary of how God has worked in and through this church for the past 50 years. And there are so many cool stories interspersed throughout those 50 years. I am I, sure many of you guys, not all of you guys, have awesome stories that you could share with your neighbors in ways that God has moved you here at North Hills. And so I love to reflect on our history as a church. There are many, many lessons that we can draw from our 50-year history as a North Hills Church of God. We can learn lessons of what to do and lessons of what not to do. But the truth of the matter is that is all behind us. It's behind us, and we can't change anything that has happened in the past. All we can do now is maximize the hand that we have been dealt today. We must make the most of every single opportunity that we have at play here. And so in the meantime, we must remember, we got to focus, and we have to realize the full potential of why we exist today. 
Why are we here today, gathered together today, under the name of God and Son Jesus at the North Hills Church of God? In our first year uh, here, uh, we, we, we define that purpose as growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. That, that is why we exist as a church today. Everything we do revolves around these two ideas of growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. That, that is why we exist as a church. Without this, without this purpose, without this vision of growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom, all we are is just a social club. A social club that has no purpose a social club that doesn't add any eternal purpose in our lives. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to just be a social club. I want to be a church that God works in and through. And in order to do that, we, we, we must understand and fulfill our purpose, our vision of why we exist today. If we don't, we, we, we serve no purpose as a church. And so for 50 years, people have poured their hearts and souls into this church to bring it where it is today. And those of us who are fortunate to sit here today 50 years later, we had better not waste their efforts. We owe it to the founding members of the church. We owe it to the countless members who have served at North Hills in the past 50 years. We owe it to each other. You owe it to the people sitting to your right, to your left, the people sitting in front of you, and the people sitting behind you. We, we owe it to each other. But ultimately, it's more than just about us. It's more than, than just us who are gathered here today. It's more than the founding members of the church. It's more than, than all the people have entered these doors in the past 50 years. Ultimately, we owe it to God. We, we do this all for God and his son, Jesus. As God established the church as a resource, God let his son Jesus be the head of the church in order to further his will here on earth. So that's pretty cool to think about because you are God's instrument here on earth. You are a way in which God interacts with the world today. That's awesome. That is power. You have power in your life. We together as a church, we have power as we are God's instrument in the 21st century. And we are well, we are all well aware that this world needs more of God's presence. You turn on the news for five minutes and, and, and that punches you right in the face, the, the fact that the world needs God. And God established this church through his son, Jesus so that he could further his will here on earth, that, that, that he could spread his love and his care to the rest of the world. There's so much power in that. And so today, in, in July 31st, the year 2022, let's be a church that fully realizes our potential, fully realizes our, our vision and purpose of why we exist today. And again, that, that purpose, that why, we start with why, is because we, we, we're here to grow closer to God and expand his coming kingdom. And if we do that, God is going to do miraculous things in and through us as a church. We have seen, we have already seen that. We've already established that. We, we've talked about that these past two days. We have seen God work in mysterious ways here at the church. 
I think that's because, for the most part, we, we have understood the purpose of why we exist as a church. We understand we're not just a group of friends who comes once a week or twice a week to come and hang out. No, we, we, we have an eternal purpose behind all of this. And that gives us so much value. That gives us so much purpose. And so that's our goal of growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. And we must pursue this every day of our lives. We cannot change the past Sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes that's a bad thing. But, but we can't remove or change the past. All we have is the hand that we're dealt today, and we must maximize the opportunity to grow closer to God and expand his coming kingdom. So the last topic that I uh, want to address this morning is what is the end game? What's the end game of all of this? Why, why put in all of the blood, sweat, and tears and, and pouring our life and soul into the church? Because we have to understand the end game in all this. Whenever you enter into uh, an activity, it can be extremely helpful to know what the end game is. For example, if you play or uh, root uh, for a team in a game of football, we're all well aware that the end game is whoever has the most points at the end of four quarters. Even my wife understands that, someone who, who does not like football. Everybody understands the end game in the game of football. And so all the more must we as a church understand the end game of the church. What is the end game? What, what, why, why do we strive so hard to make this possible? And the answer, there, there, there are about 20 different passages that I want to flip here at this moment. Uh, but, but this morning, to help us answer this question of what is the end game, uh, we'll, we'll be going ahead to the book of Revelation. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. And we're going to be going to the very last chapter of the very last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. Whereas uh, the writer John here, uh, he, he shares with us what this end game really is for the church. In, in this uh, letter, uh, or in this vi- these series of visions that John uh, has had and he describes in this book of Revelation, he just got done talking about uh, the, the, this idea of the kingdom, of the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth, where everything wrong with this world will be made right. And at the, after talking about all, all these wonderful topics, John writes in Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse 3, he says, no longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That is the end game of the church, where nothing will be accursed. All things will be made new. The former things will have passed away, and I cannot wait for that day. Because again, we we are all so extremely aware of the atrocities taking place throughout the world. It is heartbreaking it is heart-wrenching to, to see uh, uh, sinful people doing sinful things and, and people, innocent people being traumatized, being killed, being murdered. And that happens on a daily basis throughout the world. 
But John here, he tells us that will all be gone. In Revelation 21, he says, all the former things will have passed away. That will be gone. We will no longer have to have that struggle here on earth. There will be nothing that will be accursed. But the throne of God, that the Lamb will be in it. In this endgame, in this coming kingdom that John is describing, we, we will see the throne of God. What a beautiful sight that will be. It will see the Lamb of God, who is currently seated at the right hand of God, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And probably my favorite part about this passage in verse 4, they, talking about us, talk about the saints, talk about the Christians, we will see his face. Let that seep into your mind for a minute. We will see God's face. The same God of the universe who formed and created the heavens and the earth, you will see his face. The same God of the universe who knit you in your mother's womb, you will see him face to face. The same God of the universe who so lovingly and graciously and mercilessly, uh, he, he laid down his son for you because he loves you. You will see him face to face. I cannot wait for that day. I'm, I'm reminded uh, of that song about 20 years old, I Can Only Imagine. Does anybody uh, recognize that song? I can only imagine where I finally see my creator face to face. I can only imagine I fall down on my knees and bow before him and express all of my gratitude towards my creator my God, my heavenly Father, Yahweh. I am so ready for this. Is anybody else ready to see their creator face to face? Amen. Amen. And on top of that, in verse 5, John tells us that with God and with Christ, we will reign forever and ever you will have power and authority for the rest of eternity. That is the end game of the church. It's kind of ironic because there is no end to it. It's forever and ever. A day and age where we will fellowship with God and his son, Jesus Christ. We will fellowship with the founding members here at the church. We will fellowship with the many faithful members here of the church who poured their life over to God and his son, Jesus, and their church. And we will all be together and we will all reign forever and never. I just want to scream at the top of my lungs. I am so ready for this. I'm ready to see Yahweh, my father, and I'm ready to rule with him forever and ever. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. This is our drive. This is our hope that must drive us day in and day out. This is the fuel to our engine. And so please, 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 as a church, let this end game inspire you. Let it motivate you. Let it, let it encourage you to grow closer to God, and expand his kingdom on a daily basis. Because I don't know about you, but I, but I don't want to be uh, the, the only guy there. I know I'm not. But, but we want to bring in as many people into God's coming kingdom. You want to see your spouse there. You want to see your kids. You want to see your family. You want to see your friends. You want to see your descendants in God's coming kingdom. And so with everything that we have, with everything that we are, with all the power that God has instilled in us, we have got to, to focus on expanding his coming 
kingdom. And so to conclude this message uh, this morning, I'd like to partake with communion uh, with you all. So if you would all take uh, the communion emblems. If you didn't grab them, they're on uh, the back table there. And if you raise your hand, uh, if you don't have communion emblems, someone can grab you the bread and the cup. And so today, as we kind of conclude the, the celebration of God working in and through this church for 50 years, and we recognize what's at play right now, and we recognize the end game of the church, I thought it very fitting that, that we celebrate communion today. Yeah, I know it's not the first Sunday of the month, uh, but, but we are going to celebrate uh, communion together as a church, and we're going to celebrate because of what this bread and cup represent to us. Because of everything that's, that this signifies, we will reign forever and ever. We will see God face to face, and it all lies on this bread and this cup and what represents in our life. And so this is reason to celebrate. And so let's pray over this bread that represents the body of Jesus being broken for us. Father, we love you. Father, we give you all of the glory and the honor and the praise. And Father, I just thank you for the end game that you have shared with us, that we will reign forever and ever and ever and ever with you and your son. And Father, we cannot wait for that day and age that we will see you face to face. And so Father, I just pray that you bless us as a church and we thank you for this bread and what it represents to us today. We love you. It's in Jesus' precious and holy and very powerful name that we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. The night before uh, Jesus was crucified, he, he was sitting with his disciples. He was sharing the, the, Lord's, Supper, the Lord's Supper, that last meal with, with his beloved followers. And Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 26, verse 29, and he says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We together, one day, we are going to partake of this cup. We are going to partake of the fruit of the vine with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his coming kingdom. Let's pray over the cup. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for the hope that this cup brings in our lives. We thank you for the hope that one day we'll partake of the fruit of this vine with your beloved son, Jesus Christ, in your coming kingdom. So, Father, until that day, I pray that you watch over and bless us as a church. And it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together as a church. Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. You are so, so good to us. I thank you for working in and through us as a church for these 50 years. Father, I pray that you continue to bless us. I pray that you continue to work in and through us as the North Hills Church of God. And Father, I pray that day in and day out, we as a church, we are driven 
by the hope that you have placed on our hearts. The hope that we will see you face to face. Until that day, Father, pray that you watch over us, that we seek you first and foremost, that we seek to grow closer to you and expand your kingdom. Father, we love you so much. And God's church said, amen.